Hello, I'm Pastor Michael Shannon with Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We're glad that you made a decision to watch the service today. Please stay tuned after the service for more information about Identity Church. Now let's go ahead and join the service already in progress. At, at the end of the year, beginning of the year, when one year closes out and the other one starts moving on, I start reflecting on what I accomplished, what I didn't accomplish, what my walk with the Lord is. And so that's kind of the mood, the mode that I've been in the last few days and kind of evaluating my strengths, my weaknesses. Am I the only one that does that? And uh, man, I figured if I would give myself grace, maybe I'll give you some too. Because, you know, you're not going to, there's only a perfect, there's only one perfect one, and uh, I'm not it. But um, I have, I, I was going to preach on emotions. Um, you know, I've been in that Renewing the Mind series, and emotions is, is what I've been studying until I went out to dinner with my wife Christmas Eve and quietly got mad. And realized I got some screwed up emotions and uh, realized that as I was trying to take an inventory of where I'm at this year, where I think God's taken me. And then I just, I got offended. The maturity part was I didn't say anything. I didn't start a fight. I didn't pick a fight. I just got quiet. That's major. So when I gave myself the report card, I passed until I woke up the next morning and um, the Lord says, you're still mad. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And he says, then why are you eating ashes? And he started this download of not bringing the, you know, you don't go to bed angry. Don't let the anger go down. You, you know those scriptures. And I did. And I was so good at it, I don't even think she'd, she probably knew that I was just being quiet. But did you know I was mad? You knew I was mad? Okay, so I, maybe I shouldn't get myself a passing grade. <laughs> But now if you want if you want the answer, just ask. Yeah. But 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 what 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 happened on the inside is you know, why are you eating ashes? Well, I thought he was funny because one of my to-do lists for yesterday was to clean out my barbecue grill and uh get all the ashes out. So I thought, oh you're real funny, God. Because you know that's on my to-do list and and uh, I had an absolute encounter cleaning out my barbecue grill. And I'm vacuuming out the ashes. And 15 years ago, a man by the name of Jim and Sarah, prophet, friend, I've been walking with for years. And every time Jim 
would hit a crisis, he would let bitterness in his heart manifest to where his life was on the line. And he would get a toe infection. And we would work on his bitterness. We would work on why he was so angry, why he was mad at the church, why he was mad at the pastors that hurt him. And, and he would repent, and this toe infection would go away. And this cycle happened about five or six times over the course of six or seven years. In other words, he never dealt with the root. He would do a serious repentance. And uh, one of the emails that I wound up finding, I sent to him about his bitterness, about eating ashes. And I'm going to preach on this today. I mean, I, I pulled up 15-year emails. Jim and Sarah never dealt with his root of bitterness. And at 53 years old, he died of a toe infection. And I lost a friend. And as I was working and cleaning the ashes out of my grill, you know, the Lord started speaking to me. He says, what did you make on this? What made these ashes? Well, I, I smoked a 15-pound turkey, and it dripped into the ashes. I, I smoked brisket. I smoked um, pork, pork chops. And he says, you know, if you ate those ashes, you might get a taste of that meat. But it's still bitter. And so I want to go to Isaiah chapter 44. 18 and 20. Isaiah 44. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burnt in the fire, I also baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and have eaten, and shall I make the rest of it into an abomination? Shall I fall down before this block of wood? Verse 20, he feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? And I can remember the conversations with Jim and said, listen, you've made your bitterness and your anger your own idol. Because you won't forgive. It empowers you. Your anger and your bitterness empowers you. And usurps the authority of God in your life. And when you are You'll make an idol out of what has wounded you. Feeding on ashes. Isaiah paints a picture of a man who has carefully built a fire and prepared himself a delicious meal. 
He's taken time to collect the wood, carefully arrange the logs, light the fire, mix the dough, and bake some bread. He killed an animal, skinned it, dressed it, and prepared it on the same fire. Then he sits down and enjoys a great meal. His sacrifice of time, his careful effort, have yielded him a feast that satisfies him, satisfies the hunger, provides strength for the day, brings a contentment and health to his physical being. And as the day progresses, as he gives the strength to perform his appropriate duties by the fresh meal that he has partaken of, a meal prepared with fresh fire that came from fresh sacrifice and effort. But now the day is over, the night is past, and he arises and once again returns to the place where he has painstakingly prepared yesterday's meal. By now, however, the only thing left from that meal is the pile of ashes and the residue. However, today, maybe he's too busy to spend the time on preparing a meal like yesterday's. Maybe his list of to-dos has grown to the point that he doesn't have time to do all the effort. Maybe he is preoccupied with the business of the day and cannot force himself to slow down. Maybe he's just lazy or tired or weary. But whatever the cause, in this particular morning, he does not do it. He does not mix the ingredients and knead the dough to make fresh bread, to hunt the animal, prepare and dress and have fresh meat, put forth the effort required to prepare a fresh, sustaining, life-giving meal, as he did yesterday. Today, he's going to just feed on the ashes from yesterday's fire. Today, he's just trying to draw strength from yesterday's experience. He's gone back to the same spot that produced such strength for yesterday, but today, all that left is a residue from a previous meal. And instead of putting forth the effort required for a fresh meal, he feeds on ashes. He tries to live today on yesterday's experience. Many of us can remember experiences in our lives when we purposed in our heart, no matter how much effort it requires, I will not leave this place until my soul is fed. We carefully cut the wood, arranged it, then prayed for Holy Ghost fire, went into the Word, gathered the ingredients, mixed and kneaded the dough to make the bread of life, and then baked it with fresh Holy Ghost fire. We took the meat of the Word and roasted it over the fire. You remember those days? I actually used to get up and read my Bible first instead of look at Facebook. Maybe I was the only zinger for me. The meal that we so painstakingly prepared through sacrifice, effort, and dedication provided strength for that day. But now yesterday's gone. It's a new day. Yesterday's experience was awesome. Yesterday's experience provided strength for yesterday. And today we stand at the same spot. and We must make a decision. Are we going to put forth the effort to cut new wood? Are we going to dig into the word for the ingredients to make fresh bread and meat?
Are we going to build a fresh altar and pray for fresh fire? Those little offenses that you don't deal with when it says don't go to bed, don't let the sun go down on it, those little offenses, if not dealt with daily, will turn into raw bitterness. You'll have unforgiveness, it'll turn into bitterness, and then it will come into a root of bitterness because it's going to grow some more trees. And I'm going to tell you, you have to work at this. I've never seen the righteous, <laughs> I've never seen the righteous, hmm? right. The problem is we're not righteous enough to go after the bread that's already given us. We, 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 we take for granted too much. And the other scripture is, is the righteous are not easily offended. Why am I so, listen, do you realize there's a pandemic and it ain't COVID in our nation. We have a pandemic of, I think I'm going to be offended because you get me wrong. The righteous are not easily offended. And if you're always offended, if, if, if you're always uh, 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 getting you know, that grinding on the inside, everything always irritates you, you've built an idol somewhere. And you're eating ashes from what God has already done, what God has already given us, and we're not eating properly the meals that he gives us. I stand up and I say, I don't care how busy I am. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care the cost or the sacrifice. I can't afford to feed on yesterday's ashes. This is, this is my, my end of the year message. I've been doing an evaluation. I'm busy. I have more excuses. My excuses are starting to have excuses. Last year, when I looked at my journal, my opinions were starting to have opinions. So I've gotten over that. Now I'm working on my excuses. <laughs> what my dad used to say, an excuse, um, an excuse is a lie covered with a thin skin of truth. And he haunts me from his grave. You know, I was going to preach on emotions because that's where I'm at on my Renewing the Mind series. And so I get into this and my emotions start just coming alive in areas I didn't want them to. I start missing Jim and Sarah. He didn't need to die. God used that rascal. He gave, a, gave me a prophecy one time just straight from heaven and just lays out what's going to happen to my life in the next three to five years. And you're going to be betrayed and you're going to be wounded. You're going to be publicly shamed. Great word. And God's going to be with you and God's going to protect you. And in the midst of all this, God will use you. Right? Great prophecy, right? Until he's the stupid one that fulfilled it. And so now I want to kill him. 
And I go to God. And the Lord says, I gave you a prophecy that this was coming. Oh, no, that's a, that's a false prophecy because that's a false prophet. And he goes, listen, that's not a false prophet. He spoke my word. I can't help but you can't discern between my voice and somebody who is fulfilling the word. And I'm like, are you telling me? He goes, I warned you. I Read it. Everything in there, he did. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And the Lord says, yeah, I want you to pray for him. Pray for him. I want to kill him. He betrayed me. He allowed betrayal. He allowed me to publicly get shamed. And, and I hold prophets a little more accountable because we're supposed to be able to stand up to the fear of man. And he couldn't stand up to the pastor that did it because he was serving him. He was too afraid of losing his paycheck. And so when I got bitter, I was trying to get better. And the Lord says, I want you to go back and preach in New York. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I, I've been shamed. I've been rejected. I don't want to go back. And, and, and I'll never forget, we, were, we, we, we had a board meeting. We are at Applebee's having a board meeting. And, and, and one of my board members at the time goes, what is this thing about you in New York? You won't go back to New York. And I'm like, you know. And, I, and he goes, you're supposed to be. I'm like, I make this statement. Until Jim and Sarah repents to me, I ain't going. My phone rings, it's him. And he repents. Because I had told God, I'm not going back until he repents. And the Lord says, if you make him repent, he will lose his job and you'll have to financially support him on a monthly basis. I'm like, my bitterness... It's, 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 I, I can afford that. And literally, God put me to the test. And I, we gave him a monthly check. And we became friends. And, 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 and this is the guy who I walked with. This is the guy, the assignment of getting, getting healed, getting past his bitterness, getting past his anger. Dude, the guy could prophesy accuracy. But he was angry. And he'd go through these cycles. He'd go through these cycles, and that foot infection would come. Five years of that. And I felt a disconnect in the spirit between him and I one day. He had just moved to, to, to Middletown, New York. I said, Lord, what is it? He said, ask him. I said, hey, dude, what's going on, man? Um, I got this crazy thought. Just a question. Are you living with a woman? Oh, boy, was that the wrong question? And he turned on me. Just that same bitterness. And I was like, dude, it's not an accusation. It was a question. We're close. We're walking each other. You're accountable to me. I'm accountable to you. It was a question. And he got mad. And all that anger, all that bitterness he had toward every preacher, everybody who ever had, had hurt him came boiling up. So I went to the Lord. What do I do? This is write him an email. Dear Jimbo, somewhere along the line, our relationship changed. We used to hold each other accountable so that we were both walking with Jesus. I'm sorry I offended you. I will never question you again. Love you.
He sends me out, yeah, bro, yeah, good, you know, but it never connected again. Four weeks later, I was going to New York, and I asked the Lord, Lord, he's back in the hospital with a toe infection. So Middletown's only about a four-hour drive from where I'm going to be. Do I need to go drive there and lay hands on him and get him healed? Or it says, no, he had an opportunity to deal with this bitterness. Leave him alone. Johnny Guthrie said to me, he goes, hey, did you, what's going on with you and Jim? He said, why? And he goes, you hear he's getting married? And I said, yeah, I heard that rumor. He said, I asked him if you were going to do the wedding, and he he kind of slapped you, man. He turned on you. He's mad at you. I said, Johnny, Jim has no idea how many opportunities God's given him to get rid of that. And I don't know if he's going to make this one. Three days later, he died from a toe infection. Rooted in bitterness. Because he ate ashes. He wouldn't prepare a meal. Ashes are bitter. When we feed on ashes, it's easy for us to become bitter. When we try to live on yesterday's experience, we become bitter, angry, and frustrated. James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 does a spring pour forth from the same open, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James tells us that the opposite of fresh water is bitter water, and the opposite of fresh experience with God is bitter experience. When I find somebody that's actually bitter at God, they've been eating ashes. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Paul tells us that the root of bitterness can not only defile us, but many, but, but many. When we feed on ashes, we affect those around us. We need to break up the fallow ground daily with a new experience and make sure the root of bitterness is destroyed. Ashes provide no strength. There's no neutral nutritional value in ashes. They will grow weaker. You will grow weaker by the day when you feed on ashes. Psalms 102, verse 4. My heart is struck down like grass and it's withered. I forgot to eat my bread. Verse 9, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. David said, I got so busy I forgot to eat. What happens when we forget to eat, when we try and we sustain ourselves on ashes from yesterday? Psalms 102.11, my days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. When we fail to eat fresh bread each day, we begin to decline and wither like the grass. Our spiritual strength is directly proportionate 
to how much fresh bread we eat daily. I don't care how much you ate yesterday. Today's strength hinges on today's meal. Ashes will make you sick. Exodus chapter 16, when the Lord gave Moses instruction concerning manna, he said, take just enough for today. Don't let any sit until tomorrow morning. There's a principle, and I think we forgot it. We got so sloppy grace that we forgot to have relationship and eat fresh every day. However, some people ignore the instruction and kept it overnight, and the Bible says it, it bred worms and it stank. Numbers 11.8, people went about and gathered it and ground it into hand meal or beat it into mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it and taste of it like the taste of cakes with oil. Today's manna tastes fresh and strengthenous. Yesterday's manna has worms and stinks, and if we're trying to eat it, it will make us sick. Today's experience is fresh, new, and gives life and strength. Trying to live today on yesterday's experience, however, will make us sick. Feeding on ashes produces in us bitterness, weakness, and sickness. We need a fresh anointing and a new experience every day to keep us strong, sweet, and healthy. Psalms 92, 1 and 2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Not once each week, month, or year, but every day and every night we are to have fresh relationship with God. Psalms 92, 10. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. I must be anointed with fresh oil every day, not day-old oil. In the book of Numbers 4, instructions were given concerning the offering of the sacrifice. Numbers 4.16, And Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, shall have charge of the oil for the light and fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil, with the oversight of the whole tabernacle, and all that is in it, in the sanctuary, in its vessels. Each day, sacrifice would be made, and listen to what the first thing that was had to be done before today's offering could be made. Verse 13 of 4. They shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. If God had just started weaving... Um, when did I get a haircut, Susie? Friday? So I got a haircut. And this, this African-American hairdresser, she starts with my hair and she says, um, have you considered dyeing your hair? I'm like, why? Well, when your hair, I don't know how old you are, but your hair is turning white. But it's actually yellow because it's got stuff in it. And are you using purple shampoo? 
I'm like, no, I'm not using purple shampoo. Now listen, so, so Holy Spirit says, purple's color of royalty, maybe you should. Huh. So what's the big deal of purple shampoo? Well, purple counteracts the yellow in your hair and And I said, well, purple is, uh, that color represents royalty in the Bible. Dude, the anointing hit. This lady started prophesying over me. She read my mail. She goes, I don't really know how old you actually are, but I hear the Lord saying, you're going to have another 15 to 20 years to do ministry. Well, you know, last year I was going to be dead in five if I didn't lose a little weight because he needs 15 to 20 years. And she starts talking to me about racial reconciliation in America, that God had put that in my heart and God's going to... Dude, she read my mail. It was, it was so specific to me, but it, was, it almost was general to her. But I'm like, holy moly. And I'm like, that is really cool. And, 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 and then, then I, what do, you co- what do you cover the ashes with? So if you're going to walk in royalty, you need to get rid of yesterday's ashes. Or you're never going to walk into the royalty that God's called you to walk in. To the, to the government of the kingdom. And, and I'm like, that was pretty good. That was pretty good, God. Before today's sacrifice could be made, the ashes from yesterday's sacrifice had to be cleared away. We are to offer a daily, fresh sacrifice to God. But before we do, we must get rid of yesterday's ashes. 2 Corinthians 4.16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self was wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The disciples in the book of Acts understood the need for daily experience. They daily went to the temple at the hour of prayer. Acts 17, 11. Now, those Jews being more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see these things were so. This is the Bereans. I love the Bereans because they had they had the attitude uh, that was not... See, if you're eating yesterday's ashes and I bring a fresh revelation to you, the first thing you'll want to do is search the scripture to see if I'm wrong. Why? Because you're resting on yesterday's knowledge. You're, you're resting on yes. But the Bereans searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. When you eat yesterday's ashes, you're searching the scripture to see if it's false. Why? Because you don't want to change because you're not eating anything fresh. Yesterday's ashes will keep you in a negative filter. You will look for scriptures to disqualify a current revelation. Instead of looking for the qualification. Why? So you can eat fresh bread. Spirit of religion will keep you in a negative form. The Acts 2, in Acts 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they and then in Acts 4, the same people were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's again, again, a new experience. 
The apostles hired people to wait on table so they could daily give themselves to prayer, fasting, and study of the word. The apostles knew that they could never coast on yesterday's experience. It did not matter who they were. They had to have fresh experience or that they could lessen their relationship with God. And that, I believe, there was a fear of losing their relationship with God. We've taken grace to the point where we think God's okay with not having a relationship. He's not. When you've made ashes your idol, and you've made grace your idol and not him, I don't think he's happy. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What are you trying to say, Paul? I must keep my experience fresh so that after I have fed others the good food of the word, I don't wind up eating ashes myself. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news, good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison of those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I need you to ask yourself a question. Are you feeding on yesterday's ashes? Are you feeding on yesterday's ashes? How often do you feed on yesterday's ashes? I have to preach every week. Because of that, I'm pretty much in the Word every day. He said to me, if you're only doing that to get a message, I consider that yesterday's ashes. Dang. He don't play. So I said, okay, give, give me some structure to this then. He said, son, when you actually have a relationship on a day-to-day -day with me, I will share things in a secret place that will be a secret between me and you and you not preach it. How many secrets do we have right now? Because <laughs> I'm eating yesterday's ashes too much. I don't care if you're in the Word every day. What is your motive in the Word? 
just licking the taste of the drippings of that smoked turkey. See, it, 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 you can get the taste of the drippings and the ashes, but it has no sustaining power. It has no strength. It has no life. Then we call this experience with God a bitter experience. I got to tell you, I don't want to lose another friend. I don't want to lose another friend. Normally, I'd have an altar call and get you saved. You're either saved or you're in trouble anyway. But I am calling you to do an evaluation. Quit eating ashes. And I'm just listening to Pastor Charlie. Just, um, I wanted to share two things with you. Um, one of them is when uh, we have worship, when we were in worship, and Tristan started playing on the drums. Mm -hmm. And immediately I saw the Lord up here sitting at the potter's wheel. And he was fashioning, you know, as you pedal it and it spins around and you fashion bowls or vessels or whatever. Uh, sometimes <clears throat> it gets lopsided and you have to stop, take it off, throw it down, get the air out, put it back on, start over again. And so every time he was hitting the drums, I just kept seeing him taking it off, throwing it down, getting the air out, putting it back up, kneading it, getting the air out. And... I was, it was kind of comical to me, and, the, and I said to myself, yeah, a lot of us Christians are full of hot air. We say a lot of things, but we don't live what we say. And I feel like the Lord is after what Charlie is talking about today. He's after authenticity in relationship with him. And I think that a lot of us over the next few months are going to feel as if we're being taken off and thrown down, and the hot air, the uh, useless part of our lives is going to be pushed away because he, he says in the Bible that he, his desire for us is to be vessels of honor that he can use in his house. And um, 
that was one part of it. So I just feel to say, uh, you know, just get ready for what's coming because the Lord, he is serious about us being serious about him. And the other thing was a scripture he gave me this morning. And it's like, you know, take heart, you know, like Charlie is saying about, um, you know, we have to work at our relationship with the Lord. We have to go out and get the wood. We have to go out and get the fresh meat. We have to go out and do these things, and it takes effort. And Ken and I were talking about that scripture this morning that says, work out your salvation. Mm. You have to make the effort to do that. It just doesn't happen on its own. You have to make the effort to do that. And he had given me a scripture early this morning when I was in there by myself, and it's a promise. So even though we're working at this and we're getting thrown off the wheel and we're getting thrown down and all the hot air is getting pushed out of us and all that, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, And the Lord thy God will circumcise your heart. So the Lord is busy about doing this because he loves us and he wants our hearts to be circumcised. He says, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of your seed. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that we might live and that's what you're saying. When we give ourselves over to the work of the Lord in our lives, we will live. It might hurt, but we will live. And that, I really believe, is God the Father's heart for us, that we would live, that we would be vessels of honor that he can use in his house. Amen. So that's why I pray for you guys. This is the last Sunday. I'm sitting here. I'm going, yeah, it is the last Sunday of last Sunday of the year. 2021. So I just pray that we would say yes and allow God to put in our heart the desire to be circumcised, whatever that looks like, whoever you are, whatever it looks like, that we would say, yes, Father, have you way circumcise our hearts because we want to live, that we can cause others to live. Amen. I feel like I birthed a rhinoceros backwards. Do what? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Can we stand for a minute? <clears throat> I'm going to sing a song and we can sing it together. And I think it goes with the message. Burn in me, burn in me, 
Holy Ghost power burn in me. Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Holy Ghost power burn in me. Sing burn. Burn in me. Burn in me. Holy Ghost power, burn in me. Yesterday's gone, today I'm in need. Holy Ghost power, burn in me. Breathe, breathe on me. Breathe on me, Holy Ghost power, breathe on me, yesterday's gone, today I'm in need, Holy Ghost power, burn in me. Father, it is so true that yesterday's gone. Lord, all the bad things that have happened to us yesterday are wiped off. All the good things that we did yesterday are wiped away. And we are living not in the past and not in the future, but in the right now, Father. Lord, your, your, your goodness and your plans for us for the future are amazing, Father God. But Lord, it's what we do in this very moment that will define this very time in us, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for, for the wood that was supplied to cook yesterday's meals, Lord. We thank you for the words that were given to us yesterday, Lord God, in days past, Lord, for all the prophecies, Lord, we're, we're a house that believes in the prophetic, all the words that we have received in the past, Lord God, we're thankful for them, but we ask now for fresh word, Lord. Mm. Lord, the, the ashes are, are great, Lord God, because the ashes are a symbol of the feast that we had. But there's no substance anymore in those ashes, Lord. They're just a place of remembrance of what you've done. But we are excited about what you're doing. So, Father, I lay down right now all of it, Lord God. Lord, I lay down every promise, Lord God. Because, Lord, your promises come with a key, Lord God. Father, for, for me, myself, I know I've been given promises of what you're going to do in my life and what's going to happen in my life. But it seems to me that every time I've been given one of those promises, there's been a requirement on my behalf, and I forget that a lot, God. So, Lord God, I, I, I lay down the things that were promised to receive the strength I need to fulfill the promise. Father God, I, I pray right now for every person in this building 
and everyone watching on live stream. And, and I just ask right now that if there is bitterness in us anywhere, that you'll search it out, Lord. If, there, if there's unforgiveness towards anyone, Lord God, help us to understand just how much we have been forgiven. Mm. And Lord God, we, we were more than forgiven as we have learned, Lord, you didn't just forgive us, you claimed us innocent. And, and, and if there's anybody in here right now that, that has someone in their mind that they just can't seem to forgive, especially if that person that you can't forgive is the one that looks in you in the mirror every morning, I pray right now that you will understand what Christ did for you. And he loves that person that you can't forgive just as much as he loves you. There is a requirement to forgive, but don't think that that is a heavy load to bear. That is a load that you're not meant to carry. You're meant to give to the one who forgave them. Release them and release yourself if you need to release yourself. Because he died and resurrected to set us free, not to carry burdens. He carried the burden. Stop trying to take back what he carried. And Lord God, as we enter, as we enter a new year coming up, Lord, and as, as we all do, we make our resolutions and we, we say what we're going to do next year, God. The reality is this. That, that next year is going to bring to us exactly what we think it will bring. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Exactly whatever you're expecting from this coming year is what you're going to get. So expect great things. Expect forgiveness. Expect prosperity. Expect love to overflow out of you. And I promise it will happen. Just don't be surprised when that love has to come from a place of you needing to forgive somebody or you needing to be put through a little test. But we consider our trials a cause for joy. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Go and sin no more. Thank you for watching. For more information about Identity Church, visit us at identitychurch.net or Come visit us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 777 Deltona Boulevard in Deltona, Florida. God bless.